Look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's the tax man. He may not be a superhero, but Tony Morrow has saved many retirement plans with his extreme knowledge of tax planning strategies. It's time for Plan with the Tax Man. Back for another edition of Plan with the Tax Man with Tony Morrow from Tax Doctor Inc. And we're going to talk, uh, well, actually email questions this week. We haven't done an email show for a while. So we're going to take some questions from folks that have sent stuff into the office or the website at yourplanningpros.com. That's yourplanningpros.com. You can get your questions asked and answered and get yourself some time on Tony's calendar to sit down and talk about your retirement situation or your tax situation. Tony is a CPA, CFP, and EA of over 27 years experience and a great resource for you to tap into uh, here, well, all he's got clients all over the place, but uh, his office is in Des Moines. So reach out to him online at yourplanningpros.com. What's going on, my friend? How are you? I'm good. Enjoying the summer. How about you? Doing the same. Hanging in there, rocking and rolling. This is, uh, this is well, I guess about the time we're going to drop this, it's going to be probably right after 4th of July. So I hope that you had a good 4th of July. We're taping it ahead of 4th of July, but we're dropping it after. So hopefully you have a good mm-hmm. one. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully uh, everybody out there is going to get out and get you know a chance to enjoy the, the summertime. I, I like the, the summer's the best. Yeah. Any 4th of July plans but since we're ahead of time? You know, not much for us this year. Probably just relaxing around home a little bit. Uh, you know, maybe playing a little golf and uh, watching fireworks. Yeah. There you go. Sounds like a plan. Yeah, we got some family coming in. We'll be around the pool, hot dogs and burgers and all that good mm. stuff. So. Classic Fourth of July for us. So anyway, hope everybody has a good one and had a good one, I should say, by the time you're catching this podcast. But let's go ahead and take some email questions, Tony, from around the area. Yeah. We'll have a fairly short podcast this week, but we'll see if we can help some folks out. And we got an email from Tony, and it was not you. Yep. <laughs> uh, but Tony did say, "Hey, Tony, I'm interested, or excuse me, I'm hesitant to pay off my house because I don't have many other tax deductions at this point. Uh, but I do have a hundred grand in the bank and only owe forty five grand on the house." So I'm really tempted to pay it off. What's your thoughts? And I tell Tony to pay it off. Yeah. And I'll tell you why. A lot of people get hung up on, uh, I don't have any other tax deductions and they don't realize how, especially with only a $45,000 mortgage, how little their tax deduction really is. If even they can use it on the federal side, because they don't have a lot of other deductions. You know, this particular deduction goes on a schedule A and there's a threshold you have to get over, which is for singles, 12,000 and some change. And uh, so if you don't have other deductions to get you over that, you won't even be able to use it. So I would say that even if, let's say your mortgage interest, for example, is $2,000, $3,000 a year on that, probably even that by now, your tax savings, if you're in a 20% bracket, maybe $600 versus, you know, I, I don't know how much you're spending on the mortgage, you know, but let's say your mortgage payment's 800 a month times 12, you know, that's $9,600 a year. Mm-hmm. I'd rather have that in my cash flow and build that, that hundred thousand back up. And then, you know, you've got that and then keep, keep letting that money grow. Yeah. That's, that's my philosophy. I, I'm not a big debt guy, especially I, I, I like to not have a lot of debt and I advise people not to carry a lot of debt. Now the tax, and obviously, deduction, oh, oh, sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. The tax deduction part of this question is kind of a moot point right now, correct? It is. Yeah, yeah it is a moot point. And so I, I think that be better off long term is you know snowball on your cash flow, and it won't take you long to recoup you know, the money that you know you, you the forty five thousand, mm-hmm. and uh, then it's it's just all you know gravy from there, and uh, you've got you're out of that debt. But 
obviously you can't do that if you're a young person going out and buying their first home. Right, generally. right, right. But you know, you, you could try to pay it off early. Well, and this, yeah. you know, this is always an interesting question when we get something like this, Tony, because you know, first of all, like, okay, what's his? He's probably still sitting on a pretty nice uh, rate, right? So he's got a hundred thousand sure. dollars in the bank. He was forty five. He's probably paying like three percent, or is my guess. He's probably had this mortgage for a while, right? So it's probably before the rate started going back up. And so many people do find themselves, you know, wondering, well, okay, should you know, right now, I mean, even in a even in a CD, I could get five percent. Is it worth doing, you know, a short term CD or something and getting right. more than I actually than than I you know losing on the house? But to your point. There's the emotional factor, and he's so close that it's like, well, all right, you know, maybe, maybe this difference is not that massive, uh, that it's yeah. not draining you down too much. So I think that's it's always the math, right? And then you do all the math, and then you add in the tummy factor to go, just how much better would I feel not having the mortgage on my head? That's right. Yeah. That's right. You know, and and multiply that out over the number of years. But at the end of the day, yeah, it, it's the it's the math, and it's pretty easy math to do. You know, you just got to lay it all out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very true. All right. Well, great question, Tony. Thank you so much for uh, listening to the podcast and congratulations on being in, in such great shape as well. Uh, 45 grand on the house is, is also awfully fantastic. So whatever you do there, certainly uh, kudos for that. And of course, the team's going to reach out to you anyway, since you've submitted the email and has. But uh, if other folks are in a similar situation, that's kind of why we share these emails, because if it's happening for one person, it's probably happening to another somewhere. And that way, if yeah. you've got a similar question, you can run the numbers specifically for your Yourself by reaching out to Tony and his team at Tax Doctor Inc. And you can find them online at yourplanningpros.com. All right, let's go to David. David says, Tony, I'm positive that I have more than enough money saved to last the rest of my life. There's just no way I could spend it all. I'm not bragging. I just find myself to be in a blessed position. Is there any advice you'd give to someone like me, or can I just coast financially speaking? Yeah, I would say to David, you know, not knowing any more than what you've submitted, I would say, and this is a little bit of a, a fun response, but, you know, prove it. Uh, and, and what I mean by that is, uh, you know, you congrats on the fact that you, you think you've saved enough, but maybe get some advice from, you know, your advisor, uh, you know, or someone else putting some numbers to it just to see, because one person, you know, might say I have enough to, you know, for the rest of my life. And that could be a million. Another person, it may take 10 million. You know, you, you just don't know because it depends on your spending habits and what some of the things you want to do are. And then, of course, your longevity and everything else. So I would just maybe double check it, get get an opinion. And then if that verifies it, then I would say, you know, work the plan you've got. And uh, then you could be, you know, quote, on easy street the rest of your life. But maybe you might find something you didn't think of. And, uh, you know, you might re- you know, have to have to rethink a couple of things there. Yeah. You know, when it comes to situations like David's, um, you know, it's always good just to find out for sure. He says he knows and he's not bragging. And I guess my first question when I see stuff like this, Tony, is, well, how do you know for sure? Like, is it because you know, you've yeah. done the math uh, and you've you know, run it out? And he may be right. Is it because you've mm-hmm. sat down and talked with a professional and you have a plan uh, and a, a, you know, a written plan and a strategy that you know you're fine? Or are you back of the napkin this? Now, granted, I don't know, David, if you're sitting on, you know, $40 million, you probably are good. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, I mean, but, yeah. you know, if it's the age old question of, hey, I've got two million bucks or I've got a million bucks or whatever, I'm in great shape. Maybe. Right. I mean, there's Maybe. so many variables. So uh, I hope that you are in, in a great shape. And I would say to find out if you could coast, just sit down and, and, and have a you know, complimentary review done and find out, run the numbers, make sure stress test it for multiple scenarios. Um, whether it's, you know, 
if you check out our prior podcast, whether something comes up like a medical issue or something like that, and just lots of things that could come up and derail you, just have them right. stress tested, Tony. That's one of the things you guys do, right? You can run various scenarios uh, in, in case he is incorrect or correct. We can, yeah. And, and with today's software on the financial planning side, you can easily take a portfolio, uh, you know, and, and run it, run the numbers, ask him a few easy questions on, you know, how long, you know, would you like to to run this for, you know, life expectancy type thing? And what, give me a, a rate, you know, a, a good conservative rate. And the software is going to spit out and say, you know, your chances of outliving your money are only 5% or maybe it's 0%. In other words, you've got enough money based on what you've told it to, you are right. Uh, or maybe you aren't as right as you thought. Yeah, very true. And it, and especially when it's complimentary and it's easy to do, no reason yeah. not to get a second opinion on uh, the strategy you have in place. So great question. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. We certainly appreciate it. All right, let's go to Kate. <laughs> Kate's got a tough one here. She says, Tony, my son's 27 years old, hasn't landed a legitimate job since he finished college four years ago. We've been supporting him, car insurance, cell phone, that kind of thing. And I'm not going to be able to continue to do this much longer. In a couple of years, I plan to retire. How do I cut him off without making this a big problem? Uh, that's a tough one, right, Tony? Because there's a fine line between helping and enabling. There is. And that, that that's a tough one. And it comes a lot down to, you know, how how you think. I mean, you know, my personal opinion would be, uh, well, a couple things, I guess, is, you know, if he's 27, he's been out for four years and he, I, I don't know what legitimate job means. Is, is he working at all? But let's say that he is, or if he isn't, well, then, you know, th- that's a different problem than you probably are enabling him and not forcing right, him right. to, you know, to find something. But if he just, you know, is uh, working and maybe not making the money he thought he was going to or or whatnot, then I think by helping him, maybe you're not enabling him, but at some point you have to have a, a tough conversation and just explain it to him that uh, we need to start, you know, weaning you off or cutting this back because, um, and, and maybe you do it in steps to to help him out rather than just pulling it, the rug out from under him. But, you know, there are things that people can do. I tell my own son this, you know, is there's easy ways to go make more money. One is just go work more, uh, you yeah. know, trade your time for money, you know, and if, you you have to do it to pay your bills. You'll find a way generally. So that's a little bit more of the tough love, I guess. Yeah, you could and now say. you know, and I agree, Tony. And I think uh, a lot of times what happens with people in this situation is, um, you know, some people will come in to see a, you know, see you and sit down for a planning process, and they'll say, "Hey, we want to enjoy our retirement. Whatever's left over, the kids get." Right. I think to me, that's the healthiest right. approach. Others will yeah. say we want to leave them a bunch, and others will say we're doing something like Kate's doing, and we're doing a ton of helping. But at some point you start to sacrifice your own retirement and the own, and the success of your retirement plan so you know maybe Kate's plan has gone from all this helping has gone from 100% surety for her own retirement her and maybe her spouse down to you know 80 and is 80 right. good enough for you and and if you keep helping him if it goes down to 70% chance that you're going to be okay in retirement is that is that acceptable? Like at some point we have to not help our kids to the detriment of our own life. Cause what's going to happen is Kate, you're going to end up on his couch at some point, right? Like it's going to flip, that. Yeah. right? Yeah, you know, it's going to flip. And and then neither one of you are going to be happy. So, no. <laughs> so it's it, a tough, it is. Yeah. I've, I mean, I, I've seen it, you know, that, that happens. They, and I don't understand it how, and I see it with clients and even some family members 
they're still helping their kids, you know, and they're, they're 30 years old and married and, and they both have jobs. It's not like they're, they're destitute. I could see if, you know, your child and I would help my kid as well. Yeah. We all he want falls to help our kids. Hard times. Right. Yeah, every, everybody's going to help them. Right. But, you know, with, with, with some constraints and some maybe rules and, and whatnot, I don't think you want to let them get to a point where they, where they know that, or maybe they don't know, but you know, they just feel like, well, mom and dad's always going to be yeah. there. Uh, no matter what, which we are, but we, you know, most of us probably want to stay in the background and only help, you know, if you really fall on tough times. But um, I think some of these young people, um, I don't know. I, I, I just feel like they're just kind of freewheeling and, and uh, they, they, I think they need to lo- do a little bit more to help themselves, you know, and, and if, if truly he's in a, a profession, he's not making the money he wants, he's young enough. He certainly can go out and, uh, tr- you know, find something yeah. new yeah. and uh, maybe, maybe even retrain, you know, well, go, Take some class. Yeah, and to your point, you started to, to kind of touch on something there, and we'll move on to the next one. But it, it's uh, you know, also, does he know how how badly he's affecting your retirement, Kate? Right? right? Like, if you're not being honest with him either, and you're just helping him and not saying, "Hey, listen, we need to have a chat because this is what it's doing to us." He may not. He may be like, "Oh crap, I didn't mean to do that." Let's you know, let, let's make yeah. some changes, right? So, Absolutely. you know, sometimes it's got to be communication in there as well. So. Lots of things to think about. Great question. Uh, tough spot to be in, Kate. But I think you're you're probably doing yourself and him a, a service by uh, by starting to cut this off in some form or fashion. So, mm-hmm. uh, but anyway, always talk with a professional. Make sure. Also, again, another reason to run the review, Tony. Right to make sure that Kate's uh, own retirement is not, uh, you know, in in bad peril. At, you know, from the help. So exactly. Yeah. All right. Final one this week. Laura says. Tony, I like my financial advisor. I enjoy the podcast, so I've been listening. So it's nice to listen to you guys. And uh, I'm reaching out because, well, they're hard to get in touch with. I rarely get phone calls returned. And I just kind of wonder if my account is not uh, large enough for him to pay attention to me. I've got about $350,000 with him, and I believe most of his clients are doing considerably better than I am. Is this a common problem within the industry? In some cases, it might be, but to kind of dissect it a little bit for you, Laura, I mean, it depends on how much, you know, since I don't know how much you're you're trying to get a hold of him, because some clients, uh, you know, tend to think in, in, in his corner on this, defending him a little bit, but just basically, you know, if a client thinks that they need a call every week, every two weeks, just mm-hmm. to discuss market conditions, that might be and hopefully you're not you're not that way but generally then then they get mad when the advisor you know won't won't call them back sure now, that's that's a little unreasonable because you've got tons of clients yeah, it's unreasonable but. yeah uh, but at the same time he or she should when you decide to work with them be very upfront about the communication how yeah. much of it is going yeah. to happen and how often because how that often way you're setting on the meetings same page. and stuff like that right you know? yeah yeah just you know setting expectations yep so if they haven't done that with you, or even if they have, and they you're just talking about what I would consider probably you know a once a quarter type of call when you're getting together and reviewing things, even if it's every other quarter, so you know twice a year, then uh, I think that they should at least be cordial and prompt enough to, uh, if not return the call, 
get your questions answered somehow, whether it be a quick Zoom call. Yeah, or and, I, and I would email. think, Tony, I would think, Tony, in a situation where maybe the client's being a little unreasonable, and again, we don't know that Laura is, we're just talking uh, speculation, but if a client is being unreasonable, someone on the staff is probably going to be reaching out anyway saying, you know, look, we've, we've, we've addressed this conversation right. or whatever, we just don't have the manpower or whatever to, right. you know, every single time, that's what the plan is for, we got to stick with the plan, you know, if you want to schedule a review, that's a different conversation, I guess. But yeah, I think a lot of people find themselves in this situation with advisors or they've been with a firm for a while. And, and unfortunately I think there is some truth to the, to the size of the account. Sometimes, uh, you know, it's just, it's not, it's not a big enough account for them to jump up when maybe a, a random call does come in versus a scheduled one. Right. So it's all about, I think about the size of the firms, right? Tony, you guys are what I would call a boutique firm, right? Versus, I would uh, say we're pretty Yeah, yes. versus like a giant big box, right? With like thirty-five yeah. advisors in a building, you know, four-story building or something like that. Because that's what you choose, right? You you want a small boutique firm, and so yes. some clients are looking for that because there they do feel like they're a name, not a number, right? And yes. so maybe maybe Laura's working at a firm where she feels more like a number. I don't she know. Could be, you know, and and. If the financial advisor is doing what what I feel like they should be doing is that when a client calls in, they may not be able to jump right on the call, but they should right, have a staff yeah. in in place to say, okay, well let's you know let let's schedule a call for this date, everybody, and then let let me know what we're going to be talking about, and then we we jump on a call yeah. and we do it. I, but I think some advisors, it is it is true out there where they institute you know minimums because you know it, it is a business at the end of the day and. Some advisors, you know, have this stigma of, you know, I, I can't really make any legitimate uh, living unless my clients have X with me. Right, um, right. And, and that, I think, is to the detriment of, of everybody. Um, but, I, you know, I understand because there are people out there that, and there's nothing wrong with it because you got to start somewhere that, you know, I want to open up a $2,000 IRA this year and I want weekly meetings and we want to discuss it. You know, most advisors are going to say, well, that's just not profitable. Yeah, for me. that's not the right yeah, business the model the for. Yeah, 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 and and, and, so, and that's the other piece of it too, right? I mean, you that's the expectation conversation you brought up. Not only when you go to sit down with someone is the expectations about the the meetings and uh, how often you're getting together and discussing things and the strategy and the plan, but also you know like what's going to be is it is it a worthwhile business venture for both. I think a lot of times people are auditioning an advisor. They don't realize the advisor is auditioning them right back. It's got to be a good relationship both ways. It really does. And when we interview clients, we basically will sit them down in a room by themselves with with a sheet of paper. It's got about 10 or 12 questions on it. Mm -hmm. And they'll just rate themselves. And uh, we say, you know, we'll, we'll be back in in 20 minutes. And then we come in and start discussing. And I, I'm I'm auditioning them as well. You know, I'm looking for landmines. Yeah. I'm looking for, you know, do they really have have some pain that they need help with or want help versus I just want somebody to talk to type of thing. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, at the end of the day, you can't help literally every person, right? You I mean, you, you'd you really love can. to, but at the same time, your business model is that boutique firm, you know, so you can only have so many, there's only so many hours in a day that you can see people, that right? you can do, yeah. I, but I would say with Laura, I mean, 350000 is is not 3500 No. And no, I would say, you know, it's a substantial, you know, amount of money, I think, to anybody. And they should at least be, 
getting back in touch with you somehow and, and scheduling calls. Yeah. I don't I don't think that would be right. Okay. All right. Well, great questions. And of course, uh, obviously, Tony and his team are going to reach out to everyone that and have reached out to folks that sent these emails in. But if you've got similar questions or you feel like you're in a similar boat, reach out to Tony and his staff and have a conversation for yourself. Get set up with a time to come in for a complimentary review. Uh, with the team at Tax Doctor Inc. You can find them online at yourplanningpros.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Google, or Spotify, which you can find at the website as well. Again, it's yourplanningpros.com, and you can drop an email if you'd like as well. So we'll, uh, we take some from time to time and ask them here on the show. But either way, reach out to a qualified professional like Tony. He's been helping families for many, many, many years. He's a CPA, CFP, and an EA, and uh, he's here to help. So, Tony, thanks for hanging out, buddy, and answering these questions. I always appreciate your time. All right. We'll see you next time. Yep, absolutely. We'll see you a little later on in July. In the meantime, enjoy the summer, and we'll catch you later on Plan with the Tax Man. Securities offered through Avantax Investment Services, SM. Member FINRA SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Avantax Advisory Services. Insurance services offered through an Avantax-affiliated insurance agency.